0: Stephen?
1: Hello Erica. Where are we? We're in the village. The new prisoner podcast for the TV feed on the incomparable. What is the official name of the TV feed? Is that what it is?
0: TV. Capital T-E-E. Yeah. Capital V-E-E. TV. TV feed? TV podcast.
1: TV podcast. 17 episodes worth of the prisoner. Basically this is like Lazy Doctor Who except we're talking about the prisoner.
0: Mm-hmm. Pretty much. So it's gonna That's going to That's
1: it, yep. Yep, we had this idea because um, la- was it last year though, I finally introduced you to The Prisoner for the very first time? Is that right?
0: It was either last year or the year before they're starting to run together. Yeah,
1: a little bit. And then, because um, I was always curious to see what you would think about the show, knowing that you enjoy... Like Twin Peaks, another weird television like that, and I thought, <laughs> oh, okay, well, let's let's go and show you the original weird television series, and you were kind of enthralled by it at the mm-hmm. time.
0: Yeah, at, before then, my only uh, exposure to The Prisoner was well, I had never seen a moment of the show, but uh, I am from Madison, Wisconsin, uh, home of the Onion, the spoofy newspaper, and there was an article in the Onion about, I can't remember the exact headline, but it was basically something to the effect of, you know, how why would you expect me to come to your wedding when you schedule it on the weekend of the Prisoner Marathon? <laughs> something like that. Right. And if I'm remembering correctly, that was uh, one of the articles written by the fictitious Larry Groznik, who... Um, who also wrote, quote unquote, wrote articles in The Onion, like, um, dressing your dog up as Boba Fett is not a weekend pastime or an overnight job or something like Uh that. Uh, And the picture that they used for Larry Grosnick was a picture of my friend Joel. So so all of those articles are like, my favorite one was, don't come crying to me when you need someone who speaks Elvish. That was (laughs) my favorite. Right. Um, but anyway, so uh, so I, I knew of The Prisoner as a geeky show simply because of that Onion article, which kept talking about The Prisoner um, and, and how there was going to be a marathon of all 17 episodes on some such and such weekend. So sorry, I can't make your wedding because I'm going to be at home <laughs> watching this and videotaping it or something. So that was the only thing that I knew about it. I had friends who had seen it, but nobody had really talked about it. And somehow even through all of these years of watching Doctor Who and listening to Doctor Who podcasts, all of the like little mentions of it had given me no context and no information about the show at all. So it was pretty much going into it cold when I watched it with you for the first time a couple years ago.
1: That's amazing because uh, I actually watched it for the first time on a Prisoner Marathon weekend <laughs> uh, See? in like 1990, I think it was. A friend of mine at school said, oh, this is a really crazy weird show you should watch it. And I remember looking on, like, my PBS station was showing all 17 episodes in a row. Um, and so I gave... I was I was unavailable. We were going away that weekend or whatever. So I gave him um, two VHS tapes mm-hmm. on EP to record uh, all 17 episodes. And so that's how I devoured mm-hmm. this show, which is constantly sort of re-watching and re-watching. And the great thing about The Prisoner is that I didn't understand it then can't claim i understand it perfectly now but every time i watch it i seem to glean new and wonderful things from it as i understand more and more about the world and that's the timelessness of this series which just keeps it very fresh and inventive even though it's here in this 50th anniversary year hence this podcast
0: Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, this was I think the hardest and fastest I have ever fallen for a TV show in my life like I just uh, completely completely was just addicted to it and just wanted to watch more and it didn't hurt that we're watching the Blu-ray version which is gorgeous and and yeah, everything—just the the tone of the show, the weirdness, the mysteriousness. Gosh, the editing, especially in this first episode, like it just puts you off your guard and makes you feel as off kilter as this unnamed character number six must feel. It's it's amazing.
1: Yeah, uh, we're talking about Arrival, by the way, which uh, is undisputedly the. First episode of the 17 episodes of The Prisoner. Uh, we won't be numbering our episodes because there is considerable debate as to what uh, episodes 2 through 15 should be. 16 and 17 are always intended to be what they were, but there's a whole host of different Uh, preferred orders.
0: Yes, you have something to add. Well, I was going to say that, as you said, there are a number of different preferred orders. The first place that The Prisoner ever aired was in Canada. Yep. And the Canadian airing order uh, only on the first run only included the first 13 episodes. And you say that the the two final episodes are undisputedly the two final episodes. That is not the way it aired in Canada. So this the arrival this first episode is really the only one that is completely undisputed as the first episode
1: yeah Uh, the original Canadian order is very very messed up (laughs) (laughs) It's,
0: <laughs> In fact, the the episode that we will be watching for the second episode yeah. is the final episode on the Canadian airing order. It is weird. Yeah. Which
1: is why we won't be uh, we won't <laughs> be going by that order. We'll be actually dropping these episodes hopefully uh, on the fiftieth anniversary of the original UK airing. Mm-hmm. Um, the and will you be using the UK airing order? Uh, which also is the same order that the U.S. used uh, to air the series in, I think, 1967, 68 as well. It aired aired sort of around the same time. The the U.S. involvement in this show is... Is, is a whole other story I imagine we'll probably get to it mm-hmm. as we do this podcast but uh, but for now let's talk about episode one how about Arrival um, This, as you say this mysterious no-named person uh, is kidnapped through the very uh, as described in the very long opening sequence mm-hmm. something which would never happen today I think this, I think the version of this which is the longer version of it, mm-hmm. uh, it they have shorter versions of the same title sequence for um, the subsequent episodes but it basically outlines pretty much what you need to know about the show, right there.
0: I, I don't even know that in this episode mm. I would call it a really long title sequence. I would just say it is the the opening sequence for the entire series mm. that they then take and trim down to create mm. a title sequence for later episodes. This Ooh. is it's almost like a cold open for the entire series in a way.
1: That's a good point, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm? and, uh,
0: and and it is. I feel like I hate to use the word iconic. Um, the BBC has made me <laughs> really hate that word, but I do feel like the opening credit sequence of this and and the, the opening of the very very beginning of this first episode is it, that word almost fits. Um, we there are some extras on the DVDs, and one of the things that we watched were a couple of uh, different alternate theme songs that they had considered and, and discarded. Rightly, Um, and watching this with the theme song, the Ron Grainer theme song that they eventually went with, is it is just perfect. the The sound of the music as you see him driving from very far away, and the excitement of the drums as you see him clomping down the hallway and pounding on the table as he is resigning. Yes, you get to see everything. That leads up to it i just this is i bought in to the show <laughs> at the at the pre-credit like opening sequence the very first time we watched it you know watching him resign for whatever reason and be you know x'd out with a, a typewriter that's clearly not typing an actual x <laughs> from see,
1: see the things you notice upon subsequent views in the show no. oh no i noticed oh, that
0: the very first time i was did. because i am that i am that typewriter nerd i guess um and then he goes back to his apartment and gets gassed. And this is my this is my f- favorite bit is when he wakes up and very slowly realizes where he is and that he's not where he thought he was. And I just I mean, I, I appreciate the opening credit sequence for the rest of the the series, but I, I sort of miss like that. That was such a pure and perfect moment for me the first time I watched the first opening here that every time I watch the opening credits, that's like the shortened kind of version of that. I, I find myself in my heart reliving these first moments. It's great. Oh. Mm-hmm.
1: I like how we, we sort of discover the weirdness of this this new place along with mm-hmm. our unnamed protagonist who does who never has a name um, and doesn't have a number at this point. So like we are experiencing this with him. We don't see it from um, the side of the village first. I mean, it's all a complete bonkers mystery mm-hmm. from the get-go. You mm-hmm. know?
0: Yeah, you kind of have the idea that he's... He is a, a spy or somebody sort of important, and you know that he was p- planning on going on vacation because you see the you know pictures of tropical islands or whatever in his briefcase, and mysterious fellows in black are following him in their you know threatening-looking car, and and then boom, he is mm-hmm. he is someplace else, and and yes, from there on, like we are discovering things along with him, although to add another extra layer of, of interesting mysteriousness we don't really know how much he knows about what he is seeing so and that's, that's sort of another layer of the entire series is that yeah you get the idea you know throughout this episode he is uh, an important person and has a lot of information in his head so to some extent he could be a bit of a an unreliable narrator in a way all the way through the show because you don't really know how much he knows about where he is or any of that stuff, which is yet another layer of excitement, I think.
1: Yeah, there, there's a, a, an indication that perhaps he's some secret agent or something like this. Um, some background. Pastor Baguin had become famous for playing um, John Drake, the ty- the ty- character of Secret Agent Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, known as Danger Man in the U.S. or U.K., I can't remember. It was Danger Man somewhere and Secret Agent Man... I think in the U.S. because he even had the theme song and everything. Mm-hmm. So he's very famous from that, but he'd grown tired of it. Um, and towards the end of that series, it started to get a little more surreal, apparently. Um, and so he... This is McG- McGowan's show. Mm-hmm. He conceived it, devised it, um, wrote a good few of the scripts, Shadow directed a good few of the episodes as well. A lot of people draw a direct line to this being actual John Drake from Secret Agent Man resigning, and this is actually sequel to Danger Man. He, McGowan, always denied that, um, but there are similarities in the two characters and such, so either you could see that you could take it as Secret Agent Man is the guy who's actually resigning, or some unknown for, you know, so there's, 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 there's curiosity and mystery even in the very premise of the show as to who this person is, which is part of its endearing um quality.
0: Yeah, I was reading an article earlier today or yesterday that one of the co-creators of the show or one of the movers and shakers behind it um sort of had an idea in his head that it that it was a uh, sort of a, a sequel show mm-hmm. um so that the whole premise of the village is actually sort of based on on that character and stuff and the, the fun thing is is that pretty much every interpretation Kind of fits because the show is so damn weird all the way through. <laughs> yep.
1: You could nail anything to any, to any wall and, and it could probably fit.
0: This is like the greatest show in history for headcanon. Which, if you are new to that term, is the idea that, you know, that there's, there's, there's the sort of visual canon of what you see on the screen, and then your head canon is basically filling in any of those gaps or interpreting any of the things that you see in, in a way that, uh, that works in your head that may not match what is in the head of somebody else who watched the same show. Mm-hmm.
1: It's very much open to interpretation, basically.
0: hmm mm-hmm. Yeah. Like so much so that i can understand why some people don't like this show because of that um but th- that's one of the things that i quite like about it at least most of the way through till we get to the end
1: yeah we'll get to that mm. in the episode 16 and 17 mm. <laughs> mm. So Arrival, though, uh, number six arrives in the village, finds it very weird. There's a taxi cab. It finally takes him up to uh, this, the Green Dome to sort of meet number two. Mm-hmm. I find this episode is kind of like a greatest hits of what you'll see in the, you know, there's a couple of uh, sort of low-level escape attempts. There's a bunch mm-hmm. of weirdness. Rover comes along and gets a guy, you know, like basically all the things that you probably will expect to happen over the next few episodes all happen mm-hmm. in this one episode.
0: Rover being the giant weather balloon, bouncy ball-looking yep. thing, which is just creepy as can be. Um, and it's it's one of those examples in television history of visuals weird visuals being paired with really eerie and disturbing sounds sound effects that is that is one of the things that makes this show so spectacular is mm-hmm. is rover's oddness um both visually and auditorially yeah. and and you know you're talking about all the stuff that happens at the beginning there's there are little touches of oddness all over the place that aren't Part of the story that we're seeing happen, like the fact that his door opens for mm-hmm. him, you know, whenever he is leaving, it doesn't for anybody else. I notice it, um, but every time he's getting ready to to come or go, like mm-hmm. the door just just opens up for him. And then a thing that I noticed this time, at least I think it is what I was noticing that I didn't notice the first time was so the there's a guy that comes in to replace his his radio speaker, uh, which he has no control over, um, and then. When he is scampering out of the house, leaving that guy behind, still f- picking up the p- pieces of the broken speaker, he almost literally runs into another fellow who has some, some new plants. But it's the same actor, right? Yeah,
1: same guy. It's the same guy, basically.
0: Aha. Uh-huh. I I had never noticed that before. So, I mean, that's not necessarily totally odd. Could be Could be identical twins or something, but I mean, this as we keep hinting at this show just gets weirder and weirder so you know looking at this coming around from the end again I'm like oh is this like a clone or just something like that messed up I don't know but it is it's another touch of of instant weirdness right there
1: it's a touch of weirdness but I've always felt that this had a message to it it's very allegorical and very it's 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 fighting for something and what I like about the, you know, as in, like it's, it's, it feels like it's an angry piece. It's like it's angry at society and it's sort of speaking out at at society. And what I love about it, what I've only come to realize this time around, is that unlike other, um, you know, such shows that are sort of like you know fighting against tyranny or something, is that you can su- kind of see, is it you know right leaning or left leaning? Honestly, after all the times I've seen The Prisoner, I'm not sure where it falls on the political spectrum. You could watch this as, as a person who leans to the right or a person who leans to the left and can sort of get the same things out of it. There's nothing overtly liberal or conservative about this show.
0: Well, yeah, when he's being taken in and questioned um, well, he, he does the, what was the acuity test? No, that wasn't the word, but where he basically puts a around a, a cylindrical object <laughs> into a square hole and then it becomes a cylinder, like a cylindrical yeah. hole. Uh, that's his his only test, aptitude test. That's yeah, what it was aptitude. There we go. Uh, yeah, and then he, you know, the quiz. And the guys, the, number five, is saying, you know, all of all of these things, your your hobbies, your family, mm-hmm. medical history, all that stuff. Any politics? And that's when he, that's when number six smashes the giant whatever those things are they're like tinker toys <laughs> like it
1: it's sort of meant to represent sort of the the machinery of society is mm-hmm. what he's doing there christopher benjamin's character sort of spinning the little wheels here you know and he ball you know this is sort of like bureaucracy mm-hmm. manifest in a tinker toy kind of thing and so yeah he smashes it at politics mm-hmm. that's the one thing that drives him over the edge for some reason
0: yeah that's uh not not subtle
1: <laughs> no it's not subtle but um you know you expect this you know kind of a leftist reactionary but I know that Patrick McGoon was a devout Roman Catholic
0: leftist reactionary is a huge oxymoron <laughs> reactionary is right right wing Oh, sorry
1: uh, what are the leftists then radicals radicals We'll hear those terms uh, used later on in the series too. Um, I, I know that he was a devout Roman Catholic. He, if you looked very closely, there's so many little, quick little things on buttons and signs and everything. Like for instance, in the in the hospital, the little um, machine that the doctors using, the buttons have like these weird symbols on them. They're not actually English or anything like that. I don't know what they were, but the. Uh, when he's going to the little um, help center to sort of call a taxi at the very beginning, mm-hmm. you'll notice, and you'll notice throughout the entire series if you look closely, the number seven is nowhere to be seen mm. in this entire series ah. because I think it's like the number of Christ or something like that, isn't it? Or something
0: like that? Uh, seven deadly sins, maybe that's why.
1: or, or something. It's, it's something to do with, mm. yeah, that. But he it's removed for, I think, possibly for those reasons, who...
0: Knows. That's weird. Speaking of the map, it's got like, a, you know, a bunch of numbers and places and like the one that's at the, the top of the list is Fun Palace. I'm like, <laughs> I want to go to the Fun Palace. That sounds great. <laughs> it's
1: fun. It's not much fun. I don't know. Oh, where is it though? It looks kind of fun. Superficially, it looks like it's fun in this village, but...
0: I want to, I want to go there. I love I love everything about the aesthetics of this place. Well, ex- no. I love almost everything about the aesthetics of this place. I do not like the colored capes and umbrellas and sweaters. I find them tacky as can be. I don't like that aesthetic at all. So like when I look at it, I prefer the funeral scene where everybody has black umbrellas <laughs> or shortly after that you see a nice shot of somebody with a black and white umbrella, which I feel is very classy. Um so yeah, all that stuff. But the the very best is the font. Yeah. I I I I would marry that font. No offense, dear.
1: None taken. Um, <laughs> Albertus. It's a version of Albertus is the font that they use with a couple of different. Um, like I think the E has been altered. Um, the black and white umbrella. The only one I think is carried by the other character who features pretty much in every single episode mm-hmm. that being the butler mm-hmm. you'll notice that he he walks by just as uh, number 6 is about to go and uh, try to escape from the village and that at the end mm-hmm. he sort of walks in and sort of like residence only and that that kind of goes to the 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 umbrella is sort of like a metaphor and it's black and white mm-hmm. it's like it's kind of represents you are trapped under this umbrella mm-hmm. no matter what side of of things you fall on the black or the white it's kind of a metaphor
0: I like that. Yeah, yeah, and Great. I mean, everybody has umbrellas all the time. Mm-hmm. They're always, they're always ready.
1: Yeah, but his is the only black and white one.
0: Hmm. Mm. Yeah, I I like his character. We, we didn't see him do very much here, but um, it flew a helicopter. <laughs> that's true. That's true. He did get to fly. That like, he did get to fly a helicopter, mm-hmm. um, and he served. Uh, he served food, yeah. um, which I found that was interesting too. Watching it again mm-hmm. because, you know, how many eggs do you want? two and they pull off with your bacon they pull it off and it's already got two and i'm thinking oh is this supposed to be a scene like they know everything about him and and i think that that part is but he says he wants his tea with lemon and then number two says for instance i didn't know you like lemon in your tea Mm -hmm. but they still had lemon to give him even though so i don't know just interesting
1: it is interesting, isn't it? It, make, it? it keeps you off guard. It keeps you thinking that maybe it's, you know, parts of it think, oh, maybe this is just some sort of like normal spy series. And then it sort of veers off into this weird paranoia kind of thing. You know, you notice how there's a spotlight on number six the whole time when he's walking around in number two's uh, in the Green Dome there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, it's a, a following spotlight. And mm-hmm. then you get the weird room, like the surveillance room, where they have a couple of guys, like like a giant seesaw, basically, yes. <laughs> which is just, you know, I understand the surveillance idea that makes perfect sense, but they make it so heightened and so, like... D- james bond lair in a volcano sort of like it's just over the top sort of sort of things and then the sequence where he is sort of trying to run away and you see all the statues and and stone things i think is is really effective because in part because of the editing the quick smash cuts to him and but then you have a couple of the statues or that one statue that has like glowing blinking Mm -hmm. lights on its eyes and physically turns i'm like subtle real subtle but it's in its unsubtlety is additionally creepy, especially along with all those other um, other busts and stuff that are genuinely creepy. I find myself thinking, don't blink <laughs> it's
1: it's uh, it's basically telling you, yeah, we're spying on you
0: mm-hmm.
1: we don't need to hide it yep. This is the power we have over you that we can just openly spy on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's not, you know, it's not subtle at all. You are our prisoner. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no chance of escape. And it, it's a, that, there's that constant kind of like, you know, you look at the village and there's sea, there's trees, there's no walls mm-hmm. anywhere. There's mountains, of course, as you can tell on the map mm-hmm. and stuff. But... You know, you you get the impression that you could probably just sort of walk out of there. And that's the impression that number six has, Mm -hmm. that he can sort of fly out in a helicopter or sort of drive out in the beach or something like that. Can't.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I I do find it interesting, too, that we have two, well, actually three, three different characters that are all... um, Sort of related to number six, or trying to win his trust in some way. The the first and sort of the most blatantly obvious that fails is the uh, his personal maid mm-hmm. who comes in and does the the crying act, and and that that doesn't work at all, which is not a surprise because it was it was pretty flimsy. Um, but then you have have the two, which are a kind of a total reversal of of expectations in both cases. He runs into somebody he knows. As number two uh, suggests, he might, and hits his his old buddy Cobb, who is has been there for weeks or months. He doesn't mm-hmm. know, and he he hasn't told them anything. He thinks he's actually not sure, and then Cobb apparently throws himself out a window and dies. Um, number six either believes it or pretends to believe it, one of the two. Um, but he does see the the, the funeral mm-hmm. later. Uh, and then you get this woman who's number nine, I think.
1: I think it might have been, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Who is very sad. And the whole time I was watching, because I didn't remember very well, uh, and certainly the whole time, the first time I watched it, I was like, Psh, she's in on it too. She's just mm-hmm. another person following in the footsteps of the maid. And... And she didn't really care for Cobb. This is just all an act to try to get under the skin of number six. Um, and, and yeah, but then especially that's he, like extra played into when she goes into to visit number two. And he's like, and your next assignment is and you, you see number six's face. And you think, yep, she's been in on it all along no at the end you find out she really hasn't she is just as surprised as anybody when the helicopter you know comes back and you get the the old admiral was Mm -hmm. it admiral not a general admiral 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 yep Mm -hmm. saying uh you know you should learn to play chess we're all pawns close up on her face what oh no Mm -hmm. and then at the very end you find out that Cobb is the one that was in it all along he didn't die and apparently now he's serving quote unquote new masters yeah which, I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty as to whose, whose side is number two on? Whose side is the village on? Whose village is this? But it, it is interesting that Cobb, who we assume was previously, at least, on the same side as number six, now has new masters. That could that could just mean he's got a new, uh, you know, works for a different section. Mm-hmm. Could mean he completely changed sides. So it doesn't really tell you anything, but it... it, it Gives you a little thrill.
1: And he says Auf Wiedersehen as he leaves.
0: Mm-hmm. Instead, he's the only one that doesn't say be seeing you.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the great thing is that everyone's English. You know, if if, if it was someone who would run the village, if it was like, oh, via hello number six, you know, like in some foreign accent, so to speak.
0: But he did say that the last thing he remembered was he was in his hotel true, in, in Berlin
1: yeah,
0: uh, or in Germany. So, and then, so, I yeah, why does he say that? I don't know. Is he going back to Germany? Is it because he came from Germany? Has it nothing to do with that? Is he going to work for the Germans? Who are the Germans? We don't know.
1: Or is he just saying goodbye in German just mm-hmm. to be different?
0: Yeah, because he's leaving the village, so he doesn't have to say be seeing you anymore. Maybe he won't be seeing him. I don't know. Head cannon. Yep. Although I don't know what Auf saying actually means.
1: Uh, Auf Wiedersehen goodbye. Da, da. That's that song, right? I,
0: yeah, but. Um,
1: it means goodbye. Well, say goodbye.
0: it's the thing that germans say to you know take their leave of someone does it actually mean good and buy or does it mean something like you know until later you know like in in, when you sneeze in the united states people say bless you which is like a semi-religious sort of thing in spain when you sneeze people say salud, which actually means health gesundheit means good health so it's not the same words, even though it has the same meaning. I'm, I'm talking like etymological <laughs> wow. sort of. Yeah, I'm just curious. I'm maybe I'm digging too deep, but this is the prisoner. If any show invites digging deep, it is this one. Yes,
1: sometimes you can overanalyze some things, and sometimes you can underanalyze some <laughs> things. That's the beauty of the prisoner. <laughs> we even get different number twos. Like I said about the greatest hits, uh, there's you know there's a new no- number two for every episode. This one has multiple number twos to sort of sort of hammer that in. That yes, there are going to be different number twos as well which i found kind of intriguing we don't actually find out what happens to the old one Mm -mm. he just there's a new number two and that's all you need to know
0: Mm -hmm. Well, the last thing that we see the first number two saying is, you know, something to the effect of no, 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 I understand completely, you know, we must be sure about Mm -hmm. these things. So we could be referring to the medical tests that are going on with number Mm -hmm. six behind him on the screen, or it could be referring to him being replaced as number two. And that's what he's being told. No, 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 no. I understand you replacing me. This is an important, this is an important thing. So I get it. Again, we don't know.
1: The great, I love that so much is left unexplained uh, mm-hmm. and is left to the interpretation of the viewer, and this is why this show has, has endured for fifty years now. Mm-hmm. You yeah.
0: I would like to include a segment on every episode of this podcast okay. if you're okay with that.
1: Is this the segment right now?
0: Yep, I'm doing it right now, okay. and it's going to be cosplay watch.
1: Oh, okay, I'm intrigued already.
0: Uh, I be, just because having watched this before. Um, I think in every episode, I, I would like to call out the one outfit, possibly multiple outfits, that I would most like to cosplay from that from that episode. Uh, and you can play along, too, if you want. Um, so uh, since I already have mine in my head because I've been planning this, um, do you have something? And I'm going to say that his outfit doesn't count because he wears that most of the, Unless you want to use that right now. Um, but then then that would be because he... he He wears this The basic outfit He's in at the end Of the episode Quite a bit Not all the way through But a lot in the series So
1: Yeah this is pretty much His main outfit
0: That's that's sort of a given For cosplay purposes
1: Yeah it's kind of like Doctor Who in a way You know they can't wear The same outfit for everyone Uh, I do like the I I do like the little um, The cane or staff That number two has Mm. And the scarf that was kind of cool. I think that would be one of my favorites.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, I feel like that staff also like doubles as a stool because the top of it opens up. It's one of those kinds of things. Is it really? I think so. That's what it looks like. Like, like it looks like the top of a suitcase or something with two handles together. Mm. Picture pulling those handles apart. There's like a thing connecting them. That would be like a little stool he could sit on.
1: So functional and stylish is what you're saying.
0: 100. percent And it's a great scarf too. So I feel like I feel like that would be uh, an excellent choice for your cosplay. Yeah,
1: I'd be number two. Uh, which one is yours then?
0: I really like his bathrobe when he is in the hospital. Like I don't, you know, the the, the clothes underneath it, whatever. It's a hospital like outfit. It's, at least it's not a hospital gown. He's just sort of like you know cloth pajamas. But the uh, I I'm a big fan of like. 60s style bathrobes and this is it's just a very nice one it's got like the stripes and it looks you know a little bit silky but not too much Uh, it's just it's just nice and then he has slippers in his own size obviously naturally naturally yep because of course why would they give him slippers that are somebody else's size that wouldn't make any sense at all Uh, I feel like that would be a very comfortable cosplay and it's layered so if it's too hot you could take off the bathrobe and just carry it around these are important things to think of at conventions
1: there are a number there are uh, prisoner conventions that I I I don't know where they are. I know some of them actually do happen at Port Marion, the village where they shot the village. Um, but we haven't been to one. Um, I think we do have to make a pilgrimage to Port Marion at some point.
0: Oh yeah, without a doubt. Like that's that is definitely a life goal for me. After actually probably after watching just one episode the very first time, I was instantly a life goal, and now it's you know just it has only grown in my in my. Goalishness. I don't know what I'm saying. That's okay. <laughs> uh,
1: a couple other things. Are we are, are we getting close to wrapping up? Is that this point Okay. Um, a, a couple of things that I notice is that uh, for this time around, for the first time, I noticed that the personal maid and the admirable, admirable, the admiral.
0: <laughs> Maybe he's an admirable admiral.
1: Maybe he is. It sounds like a uh, Gilbert and Sullivan song. Um, <laughs> both were number sixty six
0: oh were they I noticed that he was I did not notice that was her number
1: she had number 66 as well
0: oh so was he number 66 the first time that they ran into him
1: I didn't notice that
0: hmm interesting I'm sure somebody can tell us
1: see this is again are we overanalyzing? <laughs> like is this just we didn't have another badge so we just used that <laughs> badge is this a simple t- TV production mm-hmm. uh, shortcut or does it mean something else
0: yeah to take to speak about this in doctor who terms it's like what about Rory's badge in the eleventh hour right did that mean something or was it just a production screw up well as it turns out it was just a production screw mm-hmm. up uh
1: and and the two that there were two posters that we saw in this which i think speak volumes uh ironically enough yeah. uh, a still tongue uh makes a happy life which i mm-hmm. thought was was you know quite nice like living is easy with eyes closed from john lennon around the same time
0: yeah i was just gonna say um the still tongue happy life thing that is not a good uh motto for podcasters i'm just saying nope
1: not at all <laughs> and then the, the last time when we watched it with uh, you for the first time i saw the poster which has always stuck with me um but it, it's i think it now has greater meaning and it, it was the uh, ant, uh questions are a burden to others answers a prison for oneself <laughs> which i always thought was so cool and i won't lead on why now but but it plays i think that poster plays a big part in the rest of the series
0: ooh i look forward to uh picking that apart more as mm-hmm. we as we continue through this whacked out journey in a semi arbitrary order
1: yep we're not telling you which episode we're watching next because it could not be. It could be a different one from what you're. It could be the Chimes of Big Ben. It could be Dance of the Dead. It could be Free for All. I'm not too sure which of the many different um, viewing orders you choose to watch the series in. But um, whatever that is, mm-hmm. we'll talk to you more about The Prisoner on this 50th anniversary year.
0: Here, here. Oh. um, yeah. So wait, is the order that we're going to watch it in not the order that it's on in the blu-ray set
1: yep the order we're going to watch it on is is the order in the blu-ray set but you might want to listen to this in a different order if mm-hmm. if that's what you want to do so so there we go so we'll be watching episode two of this podcast will be the chimes of big ben okay but so it's if you're watching it in the original canadian order have look forward to episode 13 the chimes <laughs> of big ben everybody
0: oh uh, yeah i not knowing episode titles uh, and finding that list and sending it to you today, just like you, just, your bafflement was—it came through the internet. Even, that's
1: mm-hmm. a very weird thing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: man. TV airing schedules back. Well, anyway, that's a whole other podcast right there.
0: <laughs> I just I find that it's 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 kind of perfect for this for this show that because of its oddness, you can watch it in so many different orders, and there are arguments for. For most of those Like for most of those airings Like you know you can You you can look at one order and be like Well this is better because of this this and this yep. And then you can flip it around I mean you could honestly you know if you leave a rival At the beginning you could practically take just you know Dice and just be like we completely Randomize it uh-huh. mm-hmm.
1: I saw one today that uh, That re- puts it With 13 episodes in season one And four episodes in season two With many happy returns ending season one, and then the four bonkers ones basically being in season two, Mm -hmm. and that being it. And I thought, yeah, that works too, actually. Mm -hmm. So there's all sorts of different ones that actually work.
0: Man, what a mind trip. Isn't it, though? It's great. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. All right, is that it?
0: I think for now.
1: For now. Mm -hmm. But until next time, be seeing you.
0: Be seeing you.